Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash sticks and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before, this one is specific to our show. So we really need you to take it too. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, that is podsurvey.com slash sticks. Thanks for your help. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky here, Sunday night, week two. Uh, this is our second Sunday night episode here, recapping the day's action. Last week, Bucky, we had a, a great time, got good feedback from everybody on social media on that kind of maiden voyage of a Sunday night podcast, and uh, we're back at it for round number two. I know, excited for week two. I thought we had a great slate of games. Uh, obviously, we sat through three and a half hours of games doing game day live, and then I went and checked out the Rams, so it's been a pretty good football Sunday for me. Yeah, you had to one-up me, man. Three and a half hours we do of, of a show. And then I'm tired, I'm beat, I'm ready to go home. And I look at you and I'm like, hey, Bucky, where, where are you going? You're like, oh, I'm just going to hop on the train, go see the Redskins and the Rams. Let's go. Let's go see it. See what Jerry Goff could do. See Heavy what lifting. Could do. Heavy lifting here uh, for fun. NFL media. Bucky Brooks. Love good. it. It was fun. He's not, uh, he, doesn't, he, doesn't cheat the, he doesn't cheat the company here. Uh, no. Buck, I want to get to your takeaways there. We got our 10 takeaways. Uh, I'm going to spoiler alert. Number three on the takeaway list is your your uh, reaction to what you saw there with Rams and, and the Redskins. So we'll get to that in just a minute here. Uh, but let's get going here with our 10 takeaways. Let's start at number one. And to me, kind of the one thing that jumped out to me today, I wrote down on the sheet here, balanced Broncos. Um, you know, this is a big heavyweight fight between the Denver Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought the thing that jumped out to me with this team was I thought, okay, they were able to run the ball. C.J. Anderson gets him a buck 18 on the ground. Uh, they were physical up front with the Dallas Cowboys on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Simeon throws four touchdowns. He's, he's put together two solid games now. 
And then Von Miller, he breaks that that streak and not getting a sack, gets a couple sacks. You look at the corner play, all three of them played great. Uh, Talib and Harris, they each get an interception. And then on on the receiver side of things, you've got Demarius Thomas, um, and, and then you've also got um, oh gosh, uh, what's my guy's name? Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders. Zeke Sanders. Thank you, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders. They yeah. both each had, I think they each had six catches. So uh, just to me, it was just a balanced Broncos was what stood out to me about this team. Trevor Simeon too. Uh, 231 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Um, and we also I highlighted. Did, I, dropped the, I dropped the four touchdowns on. Oh, yeah. Come oh, yeah, on. yeah, yeah. But, but they're my, balanced. But my main point is we, we broke down that uh, Tlaib Harris versus the wide receivers and uh, our, our preview VODs, and we did a really good job of uh, of highlighting um, how how their ability to take on bigger wide receivers and, and be able to be versatile as well. So both, both sides of the ball versatile for the Broncos. Yeah, I think the big thing in that game, like the Denver Broncos are very impressive. They're out to a 2-0 start. Trevor Simeon has played very, very well at the position. Uh, but when they've been able to get the contributions of the run game, we now know how important C.J. Anderson is to this offense. When you have a 100-yard game, they're able to balance it up. Uh, you see the ratio, 32 passes for Simeon, 25 runs for C.J. Anderson. This is the style of play that the Broncos want because it absolutely helps their defense kind of play the way that they want to play. Von Miller had two sacks. We've talked about Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib being able to come up with turnovers. And so they played to script. I think the big thing that is telling when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, they certainly deviated away from the formula that has been so good to them since Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott came on board. Their formula has always been run first team, a team that really leans on Zeke Elliott to kind of set the table. Dak Prescott kind of comes in, makes the plays that are there to be made in the passing game. 50 pass attempts for Dak Prescott is not a winning formula for the Dallas Cowboys. Nine rushing attempts for Zeke Elliott, they're not going to win a lot of games that way. They need to play keep away, preserve the and protect the lead, and really help their defense. If they're going to make it where it's all about Dak, they're not going to win a lot of games. And to me, when you slow down this Cowboy running game, you got to do it with one of two things. You got to do it with some pushback, or you got to do it with some penetration. And, you know, look, it's tough to get any kind of pushback against this Dallas offensive line. A lot of times, if you're going to disrupt them, it's going to be on quickness and penetration. But I thought they did a little bit of both. I thought they were able to get on the other side of the line of scrimmage, hold the point of attack, and then they won with quickness up front. So that Denver Broncos uh, defense, hats off to them. They did a really nice job. And you're right, Bucky, the Cowboys, that's not their that's not their formula. Dak Prescott throwing the ball 50 times is going to be uh, – it's going to be tough for them, especially when you're going up against what I believe is the best group of corners, best trio of corners in the NFL. That's that's not going to end well. No, it's absolutely not going to end well. Like they cannot play a game that is so tilted towards the pass. They have to be able to balance it up. They have to lean on the running game. They have to shorten the game so their defense isn't exposed to a, a extraordinary number of snaps. And so. They just got away from it, and I don't know why I went wayward, but we know now that Dallas cannot play a game that is so skewed heavily to the pass. And by the way, these these late-night podcasts, there's I've already at one name that's escaped me and Emmanuel Sanders. I have three more, easily three more names, that will not compute in my brain at this hour, so just be ready for those. <laughs> hey, that's, coming. that's what we're here uh, for. Yeah, no, that's why I need some you. backup here. Uh, yeah. Derek Carr, second point, second takeaway. I just wrote down Carr's cruising. I mean, look, the Jets – not a good football team. We all know that. But still, Derek Carr, I thought he was just accurate. He was efficient. Um, he's dialed in, Buck. I saw him in the preseason against the Rams. Um, I see a guy that's just comfortable. He's comfortable in the system. He's comfortable with his weapons. Man, it really dialed in with Crabtree today. He ended up getting a hat trick. Uh, but in a, in a day where Amari Cooper was really wasn't much of a factor, 
still a dominating performance by Derek Carr and, and seeing Marshawn Lynch dancing on the sidelines and having fun. It's just there's a there's a good vibe with the Oakland Raiders right now. Oh, they absolutely are feeling themselves when it comes to uh, the optimism that is surrounding this team. This is a team that absolutely feels like they can be one of the top teams, not only in the AFC, but they can compete as legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And when I look at this game and I watch Derek Carr really find his rhythm with Michael Crabtree, with Amari Cooper not really being a factor, it says a lot about the balance that they have. Marshawn Lynch gives them that identity that they want to have. Even though he had 12 carries and only 45 yards, the production from a yardage standpoint is inconsequential. It is the ability to have that rough and rugged running game that they need to lean on when they want to lean on it. I like this team. I think they play better defense than we anticipated, but as long as they can continue to really dominate the game from an offensive standpoint, they're going to have a chance to be one of the last teams standing at the end. Well, they got some work cut out for them now. Look, there's a big win over the Titans on the road. This Jets team, not very good, but they go at the Redskins in a primetime game next week. That's a Sunday night game, I believe, uh, coming up. That's going to be a big one. And then you go after that at Broncos, Ravens at home, uh, Chargers, Chiefs. So they've, they've got a nice stretch here. If they can, they can keep playing ball like this, they're in good shape. The AFC West as a bigger picture. Chargers sitting at 0-2. Uh, you look at the Raiders undefeated, the Chiefs undefeated, and the Broncos undefeated. So it's it's shaping up to be a powerful division, no doubt. That is the Sunday night uh, game, by the way. That is the Sunday yeah. night yep. game. It'll be interesting to watch how they continue to kind of get down because the Oakland Raiders are certainly built uh, the way that you want to see a team built. They can run the ball. They have the ability to kind of throw it all over the yard with the players on the outside. The biggest question mark is their defense. Can they stop – legitimate teams, and so playing the Redskins on the road, that'll give the nation an opportunity to kind of see if they're up to par. All right, let's stick with that team, though, the, the Washington Redskins, Buck, because this is our third takeaway, and I literally just wrote down on the paper, Rams, Skins, Bucky was there, so you have the floor. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the funny thing in being there and watching the Rams and the Skins, uh, I was impressed with parts of both teams. I continue to be impressed with the job that Sean McVay has done with Jerry Goff. And even though Jerry Goff is not a finished product at this point, he looks leaps and bounds better than he did last year in terms of the ball coming out, in terms of the plays that they're making in the passing game, in terms of his comfort level kind of directing the offense. I will say that when you watch the Rams play, what they've done is they've tried to kind of use tempo to keep Jared Goff comfortable. So there are some instances where if they connect on a big play, they're hurried to the line and continue to run out of that same personnel package, that same formation, and allow Jared Goff to kind of play at the line of scrimmage because then he doesn't have to worry about new personnel, trying to decipher the looks. It allows him to play fast and decisive. Uh, they also do a great job of setting things up and play action. Ty Gurley had one of the more productive games that I've seen the last couple of years. 16 carries, 88 rushing yards, caught the ball out the backfield, made some spectacular plays, so well over 100 scrimmage yards. Um, this is the way that the Rams need to play. If not for a few mistakes, particularly one at the end where Goff threw an interception because he kind of stared down his look, I thought the Rams looked really, really good, and they have the potential, not necessarily be a playoff team, but I can see them winning seven or eight games in Sean McVay's first year. Well, one of the things that just jumps out to me in this ballgame is that Kirk Cousins, since he's kind of taken over this starting role, he's thrown for a ton of yards. And one of the things that you kind of, I've kind of wondered is, okay, now we lose some of these weapons with Deshaun Jackson's gone, Pierre Garçon is gone. 
But this team really hadn't had much of a running game over the last couple of years. So really since Alfred Morris is, has left, they haven't been a consistent rushing team. So to me, when you looked at them today, it was kind of a two-headed monster there, wasn't it, Buck? You got Fat Rob there, Rob Kelly, yeah. as well as Samaj P. Ryan getting it done. Absolutely. So Fat Rob goes out. And Thompson comes in, and Thompson actually had a great game. And the oh, game yeah. that Chris, he, I forgot about Chris Thompson. Chris how Thompson had, a, I mean, he had a, he had a very very productive game. He broke off a big run, uh, scored a touchdown, cut a, caught a couple passes out of the backfield. But what I was impressed with was the diversity of the Redskins' attack. And I think the way they played today is the way that they have to play to make sure that Kirk Cousins is comfortable. You saw three different rushers have almost seventy plus yards. Kelly with 78, Thompson with 77, P. Ryan with 67. Uh, then you see the wide receiver core, Jordan Reed led the way with 48. Jameson Crowder had 47, but it was a very balanced attack. And so while we like to think about the Washington Redskins being explosive and up-tempo and dynamic, really what they are is a ball control offense that allows Kirk Cousins to be kind of that pass-first point guard. When they are playing and operating the way that they were operating today, they can be a very, very tough team to beat. It'll be interesting to see how they perform against the Oakland Raiders on Sunday night. All right, let me hit you with this one question. Can the Rams get to eight wins this year? I think they can because um, within division, I think they can take two from the Niners. Then when you get to the Seahawks, they normally will split with the Seahawks because they kind of have that recipe. They understand how to beat them. Uh, I'm sure there are a couple other games on the schedule that they can – Kind of pick off a team or two. So, yeah, I'm going to say they can't get to eight wins. Okay, that would be big. That would be a big step there for for that organization. One of the things, though, you mentioned Jordan Reed, the, the leading receiver for the Redskins in this game, which is going to bring me to, to takeaway number four, and that is Tom Brady being back and the New England Patriots exploding. We talked about it last week with them. Tom Brady throwing the ball down the field more than he ever had before. No Julian Edelman. They could not get in any kind of rhythm against the Kansas City Chiefs. And one of the reasons, everything was vertical. And Tom Brady's been at his best, really, kind of playing a horizontal game the last few years. So when I broke this thing down today, Buck, he's, Brady's 30 of 39 for 447, three, and three touches, right? Mm-hmm. 20 of his 30 completions this week went to either tight ends or running backs. Really? So that's 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 what they had to do. That's what that's how they made. That's what the Patriots do so well, though. Is you realize, okay, we got a little bit deep ball happy here. Uh, let's get our tight ends involved. Let's get our running backs in the ball. That helps Tom get the ball out of his hands quicker. It's going to protect him. It's going to give us some easy completions. And once he gets in that rhythm, as he did, uh, they get rolling. And we talked about it on the show today. Tom Brady's going to find your weakness and he's going to attack it. And th- in this game with the Saints. It was at the linebacker position, and they had a mark on somebody. Today, oh, they, man. They, oof, they did. Alex Anzalone. They found Alex, and he was Waldo, and they went at him repeatedly. <laughs> um, I think the big thing with the New England Patriots, and when you watch them traditionally in the past, that is where they normally have commanded their mismatches, uh, working running backs, working tight ends, trying to really understand um, – that they have an advantage with their personnel on the perimeter at those positions over your linebackers and safeties. And so Tom Brady is the best at working a mismatch and really kind of skewing the playing field to his favor. I think they continue to do that. I think the big thing is, and maybe we were a little presumptuous that we thought that the Patriots would hit the ground running this year. I think as they continue to learn more about Brandon Cooks, more about Philip Dorsett, they will find a way to generate those big plays be it off play action or spread teams, but I still believe that they're a team that can be feared because Tom Brady continues to be a guy that can play at the top of his game. Yeah, and then, look, Drew Brees, 
ended up piling up a bunch of yards. But this football team, the Saints, is, is this a sneaky bad team? Oh, they're bad. They can't play defense. You can't play defense. And they play defense they, in a long time. And they, they, traded, like always... they traded away their top weapon in Brandon Cooks in the perimeter. And I know I got some people today that kind of added me because I said that he is their most talented and he was their most explosive player. And they're like, oh, what about Mike Thomas? I mean, like, I get it, but he's not an explosive player. He's a possession receiver. He's a chain mover. He's a guy that can get it, but he's not going to break off these big plays that kind of change the way people – uh, use their coverage. And so we'll see because for everything that Sean Payton is as a play caller and a play designer, I don't know from an evaluation standpoint if they've loaded this team up with enough weapons to allow them to be an explosive or dynamic offense, and we know that they can't play defense. Look, I know he's I know he's got a Super Bowl ring there, no question. But for sure. It, it's it's not Jeff, it's not to the Jeff Fisher, you know, point where people are saying, wait a so second, he's making this much money and the reputation is as such where are the res- recent results? I know. know. It's not It's not to the Jeff Fisher point, but it's starting to become a little bit of a talking point, I think, with the Saints year after year after year, it seems like. They're just kind of stuck in a rut. Um, that might be one of those deals for – might be the best thing for both parties, just get a change of scenery and get a fresh start somewhere. Again, that's you know, self-admittedly an overreaction here two weeks into the season. A little bit, but, but they're on too. They're on too. Yeah. So we, we know typically when it comes down to playoff odds and, and those things or whatever, like – Typically, those things don't work if you get off to a slow start. And so they've gotten off to a slow start. We wonder how they're going to climb out of this division with Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Atlanta all playing well. Uh, I don't know where the wins come from. I just don't know where the wins are going to come for the New New Orleans Saints. I'm glad you mentioned something about that division, the NFC South, because our next two takeaways are inside that division. First off, the, the Sunday night game, Falcons and Green Bay Packers, for my takeaway, Buck, I just wrote down fast Falcons. I said I wrote down fastest team in the NFL, question mark, especially on that turf. Um, I think they're, I mean, if they're not the fastest team in the NFL, on both sides of the ball combined, the way they play, I'm talking about not just the speed of the players, but when they get their pace going as well, I don't know who's, who's faster than they are. You know, I don't know, but when I've talked to Thomas Dimitrov in the past about what they wanted, what they were looking for in their players. They say, we want urgent athletes, um, dudes who have a competitive urgency, guys who play at a frenetic pace, and they certainly play fast at home. This is a team that is built for the turf. We talk about Vic Beasley, Tech McKinley, the guys that they've added on defense. They are a fast team on that side of the ball. And then on offense, I mean, they're just as fast. Julio Jones is explosive. Taylor Gabriel's explosive. The two running backs, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, they can create big plays in a number of ways. And so for the Atlanta Falcons, if the Atlanta Falcons are able to obtain home field advantage, it puts them a step above some of the other teams in the NFC because they are so fast, particularly when they're playing in the cozy confines of Mercedes-Benz. That is is dome sweet dome for those guys. Oh, look at you. You've been sitting on that. You wanted to get that out? You wanted to get the dome sweet dome? Yes. That's something something you've been practicing? That was my note. That was my note I wrote down. Nice. Not Falcons, fast Falcons, alliteration from DJ, but dome sweet dome, more alliteration. (laughs) I'm big on on alliteration this week, boys, as you're going to discover. Look. Thing somebody said to me, a, a scout said to me a long time ago when I was first starting out, you show show me a slow team, I'll show you a bad team. Like it, it really is true. You look at some of these teams that struggle year after year. A lot of times, it just they're slow. Even Hooper have, is fast, showing that he could take the distance last week. 
No question. So, and they look at the secondary that they have, and Keanu Neal dropping down. I mean, look at Devondre Campbell and Deion Jones and Duke Riley. These guys can all fly. Oh, uh, for sure. So I, I think, I think it's the fastest team in the NFL. That's just my two cents there. But that's point number five. Let's get to number six here on the takeaway buck. Again, staying inside that division. I just wrote down again alliteration. Uh, Bucks are bullies. I mean, when you look at the Buccaneers, we talked about it earlier today. We spent so much of the offseason, Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, and this offense and where they can go and what they can do. And maybe we didn't give enough respect to the defense that they've built there in Tampa Bay. And it sure was on display today against the Bears. A lot of 20 rushing yards. They generate four turnovers. Um, that's a good-looking group. Good-looking group. And I think we've had the added insight of being able to watch them on hard knocks. When you watch them on hard knocks and they gave us a kind of a, a behind-the-scenes peek at what they're able to do, they are a dynamic squad up front. Gerald McCoy, for one, I didn't know that he had that kind of first-step quickness where he can absolutely change the game from inside. But then when you get to the linebackers, Levante David, um, those guys being able to run around and chase. And then you saw Noah Spence coming in kind of as that fastball pitcher that you always talk about in pass rushers coming off the edge. They're young cornerbacks, Vernon Hargraves. This is a team that really got better the last half of the year under Mike Smith. They continue to add pieces to that defensive puzzle. And I do believe they can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the NFC South. And I think it's going to be a, a, a tough it's going to be a tough battle to determine which team is actually on top because all of these defenses, Carolina, Tampa, and Atlanta, are loaded with playmakers. And one of the things we, we – again, we discussed this a little bit earlier today. I thought it was interesting using Deshaun Jackson a little bit inside. Thinking of Sean Jackson, those big home run plays over yep. the top. They got him in the slot a little bit and used him inside. People are going to have to respect that speed. You're going to get spaced. Did a nice job. I believe it was a nice little third down, just checked up inside. And um, Jameis was was on the money. I thought Jameis was pretty sharp today. First rattle out of the box, 18 for 30, 204 yards, a touchdown. Not the sexiest of uh, stat lines. But, man, they came out, pushed the ball aggressively down the field. Mike Evans and him, uh, the chemistry is uh, is still very much in place despite missing a week last week. Yeah, I, you know, I'm very impressed um, with Jameis and what he was able to do. Got the ball out, took care of the ball, let his playmakers work. We saw the connection with him and Mike Evans. Um, this is a team that is dynamic, and when you get Doug Martin back, if Doug Martin looks like he looked in hard knocks in terms of being in shape, being powerful and explosive, that balanced offense to go with a powerful defense, I kind of like it. All right, one side note here. This, is, uh, this isn't in the original takeaway, but I thought we have to discuss it. We mentioned the True Birds when we were watching this game. The true, Not the Boo Birds, the True oh, Birds. Oh, yeah. This game was we on did. the road. If you're a Bears fan, the Trubisky chants, I'm sure, were, were taking place in a couple living rooms around the, around the Midwest. But Mike Glennon, two interceptions, didn't take care of the ball inside the pocket, was victimized by a lot of drop passes from this group, no, no lie. But For sure. overall... Not a great performance for him. And it just brings up the question, how long are we going to wait before we see Mitchell Trubisky for the Chicago Bears? I think if you're the Chicago Bears, you still have to be patient. But what is working against you? If you're the head coach, the head coach is looking like, man, I need Mike Glennon to win games. But if I'm into trying to save my job, do I need to put the rookie out there and show some progress with the rookie and say, look, if I have a little more time, I can win games? I think it's tough. I think it's a tough situation for John Fox. I think it's a tough situation for Ryan Pace. I understand why they went all in in terms of making sure that they feel they, they really um, put enough options in the quarterback room to give them a chance. But I do believe if he continues to have performances like this and if they continue to lose, at some point they're going to have to turn to the rookie. Well, I'm looking at I believe it's week eight at the Saints. I mean, they've got some 
they got some tough teams. You look at uh, coming up. We mentioned it before: Steelers, Packers, Vikings, at Ravens, Panthers. That's their next slate of games. Not an easy opportunity for a rookie quarterback to jump in there. Um, but then after that, you get to October 29th at the Saints. Even though it's on the road, I think that would be one I would keep my eye on. But man, if they they keep dropping games and the schedule is not kind, maybe they maybe they can't afford to wait that long. Buck, like you said, maybe your head coach, you're gonna feel the pressure. I got to do something to help myself here. I got to get this young kid ready. Oh, for sure. I think I think they do have to do something to, to help themselves. They have to be a little a little, a little more dynamic. They got to continue to feed Tariq Cohen. Have to you know kind of show their their young people, their young players off. And try and do it, but they're tough because out wide at wide receiver, they don't have anybody that scares any. any I mean, nothing. No. They, they don't have anything. So, uh, if you're a Bears team, you can hope you play good defense. Hope you get in some games. Hope you can catch some people napping. But I don't know where a lot of the dubs are going to come from. I just don't know. Yeah, look, 16 carries for 20 yards in the run game. They need to get Kyle Long back as well. Uh, get him healthy. All right, takeaway number seven, Buck. We spent a lot of time talking about this game, watching this game earlier today. Kansas City and Philadelphia was a really entertaining game. Uh, but to me, the story of this game, both of these defensive lines, you know, I, I think you go, I think I feel pretty comfortable in saying top five, top five defensive lines. You look at Kansas City and Philadelphia, and how about the, how about the, the young player for the Chiefs and Chris Jones and what he got done today? Whew. Chris Jones played like a grown man inside. Uh, I do believe you. I think these are two very, very talented front sevens, talented D-lines. And, in fact, I would give the edge to Philadelphia when you look at the depth and diversity of their defensive line. From Fletcher Cox on the inside to the guys that they're rotating in, Brandon Graham, Chris Long plays. Uh, You have Derek Barnett. You have so many guys that can play and come in and and contribute that you just don't see teams with the kind of wealth of riches at those positions. And then in Kansas City – they have dudes who can dial it up when it comes to rushing the passer. Uh, D. Ford, uh, Justin Houston, Tamba Ali, when he has an opportunity. But today we saw Chris Jones play like that. And look, you were a big Chris Jones fan when he came out of Mississippi State. I was a little hesitant in terms of putting a grade on him. But today, today he was a dominant player on the inside. If they get that kind of effort from him, that defense is going to be lights out, continue to be lights out. Yeah, I don't know yeah, who had, had a bigger – uh, more dominating effort this weekend. His Mississippi State Bulldogs over the LSU Bengal Tigers are. Uh, we're having the college on Tuesday. I know. I'm just, I don't, I'm just teasing it. I don't want. There, I don't want. I don't want to deviate to the college game much, but I will say this: number ninety-four for Mississippi State, the defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. He popped. <laughs> man. He that's, popped. That, that's another he one. Po- he popped. He popped off the off the TV screen. That's I mean, it was only TV scouting, so I can't say anything. But one DJ in pregame. Yeah. He challenged the LSU Tigers. He basically Ugh. started a fight and started a brawl. And then when the game started, he continued it. He absolutely beat them. He up. started the fight and finished the fight. Oh my gosh! All right, that's a little teaser for teaser. Uh, for those teaser who are listening Tuesday. to this. If you're interested in college football, we got you covered with the Tuesday podcast that's coming. Uh, let's let's uh, crank through the last three here. Cam, I wrote down Cam crushed. Told you big on alliteration. Uh, win for the Carolina Panthers. That's great and all, but. Cam Newton, Bucky, he's getting destroyed back there. Sacked six times and hit a ton in this ball game. That's that's something that's got to change. I mean, it's something that has to change, but I don't know how they change that equation because they don't have a very, very talented offensive line. And if they're unable to run the ball, then they can't slow down the pass rush with play action, and he's going to be susceptible to take those big hits. Uh, we can talk about Cam Newton, the runner. We can talk about all the things that they used to do with him with the quarterback powers, quarterback design runs, the read option. But the biggest culprit 
in terms of his ability to get hit has been that offensive line. Matt Khalil, Ryan Khalil, those other guys up front, they have to do a good job of playing on the string, and they didn't play well against the Buffalo Bills. But I'm going to say this. I think the Buffalo Bills' defense is a little salty. I think they're a little saltier under Sean McDermott. I think he's done a great job of simplifying things that allowed them to play fast. He and Leslie Frazier had a nice plan, and I figured that Sean McDermott would have a nice plan because, look, he, he coached against Mike Shula and those guys for years on end, so he understands the weakness that they, they have, their deficiencies, where they're inept. And so I think he attacked those. But, yeah, Cam Newton has to get better play from the people in front of him or he's not going to make it the entire season. Interesting thing about this Panthers team. Have yet to give up a touchdown. Give up three points. I know that's the Niners and the Bills, but giving up three points each of their first two games. But now as you look forward for them, Saints at Patriots at Lions. Okay, we, we're about to find out if this, uh, if this Carolina team's for real. Well, yeah, we, we are going to find out there for real. Um, I know this. Their defense is for real. Steve Wilkes, the new defense coordinator, has done a really good job. They're dialing up more pressure. They're coming after people. Um, they're making it tough. What they have to get is they have to be comfortable winning ugly. But for them to win ugly, Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart have to be key contributors in the run game. They have to be able to run for 125 to 130 yards each week so they can control the tempo and allow that defense to go to work. I'm looking at their uh, at just this this box score for the Buffalo Bills. Didn't have a completion over 15 yards in this game. Didn't have a run. Longest run was 13 yards, and that was by Tyrod Taylor. So this Carolina Panthers defense is 100% locked in right now. Speaking of defenses locked in, takeaway number nine, second week in a row. I don't care who the opponent is, tip of the cap to the Baltimore Ravens and what they're doing defensively. Hey, man, you know it better than, than I know it. You understand the Ravens' way and what they do, and – uh, and writing about the Baltimore Ravens a couple of weeks ago, they talked about wanting to get back to the Ravens' way, wanting to be a team that was led by the defense, fueled by the running game, and then they had efficient quarterback play. Well, that's what they're getting right now. Ten turnovers in two weeks, defense playing at a lights-out level, forcing the issue on defense, and really returning and reemerging as the bullies in the AFC. You know it. Y'all kind of lean on that when you were there. They kind of embraced that style of play. I think the Baltimore Ravens are a viable uh, contender in the AFC strictly on their defense and their ability those, to kind of hit you in the mouth. Those safeties were flying around today too, Eric Weddle had a pick. We highlighted them on Thursday, and they definitely won that battle. Oh, yeah. Look, and, and on the flip side of that, as great as, as Baltimore's defense was, uh, by the way, tip of the cap rookie, Tyus Bowser, big fan of him coming through the process, had a sack, had interception. He was outstanding. But for the Browns, Kaiser, rough day at the office, three interceptions. I believe he had a fumble as well. Um, came out of the game, had a migraine issue, ended up coming back in. Looked like he was extremely frustrated with what was taking place in there. And, Buck, I'm, I'm going to throw this one out to you. And I'm just, just, I'm just throwing a fact out there. It's just a number. There's no opinion associated with this number. But I'm just going to give you a number. Mm -hmm. Head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson, is 1-17. in 17. Mm. That's tough. It's not good. In, in the Cleveland Browns' last 34 games, obviously this predates Hugh Jackson, the Browns are 4-30. and 30. Gosh, that's a lot of losses, man. Can't you accidentally like fall into a couple more wins than that? I mean, I guess, but uh, here's, here's the thing that I'll say about the Browns. They have lost a lot. But of late, they've played a lot of close, well, competitive games where they've been in. But the league is set up to be a seven-point a seven point league, meaning that most teams, most games are, are come down between one score. They're 
settled in the, the final quarter. But I'm saying, like, the don't, last you, five like, minutes. don't you I would fall think into that, a couple of these? I would think they would fall into those. And I think the big thing that is scary for Hugh and his coaching staff, they need to fall on some of those wins. Now, now I don't think the league certainly <laughs> – Like right did now. Any, they didn't do them any favors. Playing Pittsburgh, playing Baltimore, I mean, I can think of easier ways to come out the gate. But we'll see. Maybe there's a soft spot in their schedule where they can start getting some wins. But, yeah, they got to kind of start putting together a winning effort to be able to get in the right – part of the ledger silver silver lining for cleveland uh david and joku caught his first touchdown that's yeah, good he, did. he yeah. had a drop on a crosser yeah. earlier in the game too though that was a little disappointing so he's he's, he's not a finished product but a uh, big fan of, of his athleticism what he can do i mean look it's a bummer for me just no miles garrett i mean that's one of the things i'm looking forward to seeing this season with the browns to see this defense fly around and and see how miles garrett would fit in and, and kind of take off for this team but it's been bad luck speaking of bad luck that the ravens big injury again man they've been just crushed with injuries this year and they're fighting through it they're 2-0 and but Marshall Yonda who I think clearly clearly their best offensive lineman looks like he's going to be gone for the season Bucky that's a big blow oh that's a huge blow because they were just beginning just beginning to play the style of play that they want to play everybody up front running the ball being committed to trying to get 35 to 40 rushing attempts doing the kind of things that offensive linemen love to do, which is knock people back, knock them off the line. And so to lose Marshall Young to one of the best guards in football certainly hurts their chances of being able to kind of control it as a run-first uh, offense. All right, my goal was to keep this thing under 30 minutes tonight. I think we got a good shot at it here. Tenth take, tenth and final takeaway for me, Buck. I just wrote down Derrick Henry time, question mark. I think you even brought it up when we were doing the show earlier today. 14 carries, 92 yards, and a touch. Uh, DeMarco Murray... Nine carries, twenty-five yards. Not much of a factor. Is it? Is it? Is the baton? Is it time to to pass that thing? Oh, it is time. Uh, their last five games, Derrick Henry has more rushing yards, a better yards per attempt average, more rushing touchdowns. The only reason why Demarco Demarco Murray is the starter is because he's respected as a veteran. He's done some good things for the Titans uh, the last year and a half. But right now, the better player, the more feared player is Derrick Henry. And so at some point, you'll see a passing of the torch, and he'll kind of take the, take over uh, as the number one running back for them. Hey, by the way, did you hear that thud? That was the uh, that was the Jacksonville Jaguars landing back on Ooh. earth. Man. Oof. Man. That, that, but that was, Bortles did get him uh, some garbage time. He got him some garbage time numbers. It was good to see one team from Tennessee go down and, and, and win in win Again, Florida. Again, Tuesday. I know. We're Tuesday get balls and that I, epic epic collapse. We're gonna get there. Epic collapse. What epic collapse? What, you, like, like, what? Like what? I don't know what football game you're talking about. Actually, I don't the epic collapse. I mean, DJ. Like, I, we have to at least talk a little bit about the Tennessee Can't. thing. No. Just a little bit. Just. I, I got. I got to sing. I, I got to sing a Disney song on. It Tuesday will be the last time. Yes. The last yes, time that I can it. that I can go all in on the Tennessee the Tennessee balls. The oh, last time? No. Yeah, they cost me. They cost oh, me. Oh, oh, I know. I know. I, I, my, it, my reverse hijinks didn't work. Didn't work. Save it, boys. All, All right, right we're saving we, it. Uh, we're, I think we're right at 30 or a little under 30. So any other uh, any other nuggets you want to bounce in here that, we, that we've missed? I had a couple. Well, let's, let, let's give Bucky the floor. I know, I know. Bucky's, Bucky's, Bucky's got the floor, obviously. But. Um, Let's see. Did anything else stand out? I would tell you what stood out to me. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, they are a team that is going to have to win playing ugly because their offense up front is not good enough to score. And so 
their defense has to do everything. The fact that they won 12-9 against the Niners, and the Niners have played good defense the last two weeks. Uh, 23-3, they lost to the Carolina Panthers, and then they lose 12-9 today. So the defense has not been the issue. But for the Seattle Seahawks, they have to get more from their offense. If they're going to be a team that we really talk about being one of those at the end, their defense can't carry the load by this much. At some point, they have to be able to score more than 12 points. That's what That was one of my notes. I'm hitting the panic button. Oh, my gosh. I'm hitting the panic button on that offense. Really? The panic button? The panic button. Yeah. You can't that, – that, that defense is, is, is well on its way, as we know, the way John Lynch is drafted, but it's not mm-hmm. quite there yet to what he, where, where he wants it to get. And 12 points against that team, no. That's not good. Not good enough. That's not good. I mean, the Niners aren't sorry, though. The Niners have committed and invested a lot in their front line. They have. They They're not good. there yet, though. They're not there yet. That, that's, still, that's still more than 12 points. And, and Chris Carson had a nice, nice he did. Day, though, he did. A uh, couple drop picks, though, from Russell as well. That's just it's just not a good outing for them. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching that tape. I did not see much of that ball game, so I'll jump on that. All right, Sully, I'm going to give you a chance to get one more nugget. Cool. In so we can yeah, get out of here uh, time. tip of the cap to Gates and Thomas. A couple big milestones for those guys. That's, oh, yeah. I mean, you can tell what the milestones are. Yeah, yeah, 10K, 10K plays for Joe Thomas and then uh, the, the tight end uh, touchdown record for, for Gates. Good, good on both of those, yeah. those yeah. veterans. On, on, both, on both of those. Let's see. Anything so, oh! So did I get us in? Let's did see. I get us in under 30? You did. We're pretty close. You did. Right You're there. close. We're right yeah. there. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Bucky had a, Jacoby Brissett. Bucky, you had a great read, by the way. Your read at the top of the show. Uh, no, no, don't. We don't want to make that. We don't want to make that my permanent job. I don't want to be. No, no, that was <laughs> no hey, that, that was the first one. You kicked it off for us. Job. As long as not the meat undies thing, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As long as it's not you. that. I hear oh, you. Man. You knocked it out of the park, buddy. You did great. Uh, that's good. Um, look, that's gonna do it for us. This is uh, this is move the sticks presented by the Ford F Series. This is the second edition of the Sunday Night Podcast, and uh, I gotta say, I thought it was a real humdinger. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought this was a pretty good one. And we're just going to keep it going. Keep it going this week. Tuesday's going to be great. Thursday video show. We're going to be throwing seven different kinds of smoke here at Moon Sticks. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's let Sully get back to uh, to crying in his sleep here with his volunteers, <laughs> which we will touch on on Tuesday's episode. We'll recap the college football weekend. And uh, a lot of goodies coming your way this week on Move the Sticks, presented by the Ford F-Series. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 
What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there, way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.